Welcome to the Go To Thrive Podcast, the place to inspire people in the workplace and go to thrive. Mary Jane Roy and Vivian Aqua want to make happiness the new norm and offer solutions to create higher engagement in the workplace. Cyril is a global speaker, an expert in creativity and change for more than 15 years. He is considered a thought leader in this area and is the author of five books. His latest is The Change Mindset. Who is Cyril? Tell us something about yourself that we haven't covered in the introduction. Hello, yes, I'm a global speaker, so I speak in different countries on the topic of creativity, change, innovation, and I mainly focus on the what I call the change mindset. So I'm not really looking into the topic of how should you structure your organization or but I focus on the professional yeah in in an organization what can they do to cope with all the changes that are happening. And maybe a funny fact, I said, yeah, he's a thought leader. Sometimes I rather don't like to call me a thought leader, but more a simplifier or a curator, because what I'm doing, I don't think I'm really having a lot of visions where we have to go to, but I think I'm quite good in simplifying a message, bringing things together, inspiring people. And that's what I hope to do with my speeches and, uh, and my books. Very humble, indeed. <laughs> yeah, I, a simplifier. I love how you come up with some unique words to add into <laughs> English language. <laughs> Nearling is one that comes to my mind. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cyril, in an interview, I heard you say that you wake up every day very happy. Share with us and our listeners why this is. I think it has something to do with a, what I call, are we reaching our own potential? I absolutely believe that we, from birth, and, and you can learn a lot of capabilities and skills and, and, and learn in life. And I have a feeling that a lot of people, certainly in the bigger companies, they're not living up to their full potential. And I'm not sure. I think once you've reached your full potential, then maybe uh, you've done everything in life. But I think going from a six to a seven or to an eight, that's for me a purpose. And at this moment, I feel that I'm very happy with my life. I like the stuff that I'm doing. I'm learning a lot every day. And that makes me, I think, a happy person. Choose the things that I really love and, and help other people to find what's your potential, where, what are the domains where you can grow. So I think once you have a kind of a mission in life or a kind of goal in life, it makes it a lot easier to yeah, to grow and be happy every morning. Um, if people would call me in the middle of the night at three o'clock at night and they said, Cyril, quickly, you have to give a speech on, on creativity, I would jump out of bed and I would, I would be happy to, to share some things on, on the change mindset. And I think as long as you have that feeling, that motivation, you're doing the right stuff. Can I ask you a, a question that comes to my mind, because you mentioned ciphers, the numbers, on a scale of one to 10, where are you in terms of fulfillment? I would give myself a nine. Wonderful. Wow. Yeah. It's not every day, you know, it, it will shift on, on some days, it will, be, it will be a seven, but I think at this moment, if I'm going be below the seven, that's, yeah, that's not good. Then, then I'm really, for me, that's a signal. I really have to change something. But most of the time, I would be around eight, nine, I guess. Yeah. Top. 
That's a good thing. And if there is one thing that we can say about life, that is that it changes every second of every day. No one is exempt for, from this. Yet people resist change. Why do you think that this is? You've already talked about my, my latest book, Change Mindset. And one of the chapters or spreads in the book is on that topic. And I think it has something to do with fear. You know, people are, are afraid of things. And if I look back, so now I'm working in the domain of creativity, innovation, change for the last 15 years. And I found that certainly in the domain of change, three kind of fears always come back. And I can't prove it scientifically, but that's what, what I feel. And one of them is fear of the unknown. So people are afraid because change has something to do with you go in a direction and you don't know the end result. That's scary because, you know, you don't know what, what the end result will, will be. So a lot of people, they prefer what I call the, the status quo, even if they are not really happy, you know, if they are on a five or a six on that scale uh, that we talked about. But they stay there because they are afraid if they do something else, it could be worse, you know, it could be a three. So I stay with my on the on the status quo level instead of saying hey but wait a minute it could become a seven or an eight or a nine so that's the fear what i call the fear of the unknown i think the second fear that i see in in the domain of change is that people are afraid of different opinions they have a certain opinion they have their their patterns but then somebody's saying hey let's explore this domain it's a totally new technology how will that work and that's that's also a little bit scary and a third one that i see and I think that's a big one. It's the fear of failure. People don't like to, to fail. They only strive for success. And certainly in the business world, if you look at all the KPIs in the workplace, most of them are all on the topic of getting good results and we need to have success. But there's no KPI on how many times have you failed, <laughs> which is a bit bizarre because if you look at learning, if you want to learn something new, failure will happen. You know, I think they are, they are connected. If, if, look at a child. If a child is trying to learn to drive a bike, to cycle, it will fail a few times. But at those moments, we don't look at it from the topic of failure. At that moment, it's learning. But if you take that kind of attitude to a business environment, you want to learn to work with a new technology, you have a new software that you're trying or, or something else. At that moment we are not allowed to fail, which is quite bizarre because if you want to grow, you need to fail and learn from it and then take a next step. I think also the word failing has a, a negative aspect because once, you know, organizations or once people like entrepreneurs adopt another word for failing, it will be much easier. I mean, I personally struggle with, you know, accepting my, my learning moments because that's why how I call my failures. Yeah. I, I see them as lessons, lessons to be learned, to do it the better, do, do it better next time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, Vivian, you definitely have read my book already, I guess, because oh. in the book <laughs> we've talked exactly that. The word failure, was a, it has a negative connotation. You know, and, and even if you can say, oh, you have to fail more or fail forward, it still has negative connotations. So what we've done with a few colleagues, we came up with a new word, and that word is a nearling. 
a nearling. Uh, what is a nearling? A nearling is something that you've done with the right intention, but it has not yet led to the right result. That's a good word. Yeah, because it's a word that doesn't exist yet, so it doesn't have any connotation yet. But you have to be proud of your nearlings because you've tried something. You know, if you just sit behind your desk, you just follow the rules, you're not learning something new. So what we also sometimes do in, uh, when I'm giving a presentation, I'm from Belgium, so we love our beers. So I've created some beer coasters. And on the beer coaster, there is the word nearling on. So everybody gets a beer coaster with, with nearling. And they invite people in the next meeting that they have in their, their company that they put up the card, put the card in the air, and they say, hey, people, I want to share a nearling. And I'm proud of it because I've tried something. I've learned something from it. Maybe you've inspired other people. And I think if we can go away from the negative connotation, indeed, of failure and go to more the learning stage, that's where we need to go, I guess. That will help people to make a difference between I failed and, hey, wait a minute, I have a nearling. I've learned something. I took a next step. But it's indeed the whole context, uh, and certainly in workplaces, yeah, having, having failures is, is not really accepted. Uh, people say it, you know, and a lot of CEOs, they say it, but once, if somebody makes mistakes or tries something new and it goes wrong... It's off with their head. Yeah, so <laughs> there is something in yeah. it that's not working yet. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping that was going to come out in the conversation. So Vivian, you asked the right question. You You're really perfect. <laughs> what do you feel is the biggest challenge organizations have to overcome in a world that's constantly evolving, constantly changing? Yeah, one of the things that we already just chatted about was indeed the fear that people are, are afraid of things. So a lot of but that's more what I would say on, on an individual level as the professional that he or she has a fear for the unknown, different opinions of failure. If I could bring it to organizational level, I would like to introduce the concept of what I call a ladder. And what's a ladder? It's a very simplified metaphor that I call the ladder and the banana. So imagine that there is a banana peel, that the banana peel is lying on the floor, and you immediately know, okay, to remove the banana peel, because that could be a problem, we just pick it, throw it in the, the, the bin, and it's gone. But what I'm seeing in a lot of organizations, instead of going to that simple solution, they come up with something complex. So imagine that the, the banana peel is something new, and you want to pick it up, I've seen situations, and I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it could happen that somebody of human resources coming by and saying, hey, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm picking up the banana peel. Hey, but wait a minute. Is this in your job description? Uh, no. So we go to a domain. Instead of looking at the simple solution, we go back to the solution that we already know, the job descriptions. Ah, maybe we have to send you on a training to solve this new problem. So then that person is sent on a banana pick training for two weeks and, and gets a certificate. But you immediately feel, wait a minute, this is not the most efficient solution. But it's a safe solution because we know everything about job descriptions and training. That's the, the rules and the, the procedures that we know. And then 
after you follow the training, maybe a situation can happen that you want to pick up the banana peel again with your certificate, but then somebody of quality control is there. And that person is saying, hey, before we can do something like this, it has to be in the system. So go to internet, download seven pages, fill out what is the problem, how do you think you're going to solve it, a small business plan, because those are the things that we already know, and that's safe. So instead of going for the simple new solution, just pick it up, we create a situation that's quite safe. And that's what I call the ladder. So for me, a ladder is an inefficient procedure, rule, guideline that we follow because we are afraid that something can go wrong. Like you've already said, the world is changing really fast. So sometimes a ladder is put there with the best intention. You know, that's a solution that we know. But because of the world that's changing so fast, the ladder becomes inefficient. For example, you have to fill out a document in uh, an Excel file, but you get new software. What happens is that still a lot of people are still using that Excel file because that's what they know. And they're doing double work because they have to put have to input in the Excel file and the other file. And that's where things even get more complicated because mistakes happen and they come up with a third system. And in a lot of cases, that's not really working. So I'm a little bit on what I would call a crusade against those kind of ladders. But it's very hard to get rid of a ladder because a lot of people are involved. So what I try to do is focus on what I call then the, the change mindset and how can we avoid those kind of ladders. But it's hard. It's hard because certainly the big corporations, I think that sometimes people are spending 30, 40, 50 percent of their time only following procedures and stuff. And they have no clue why they're doing it. If you ask them, hey, but why are we filling out this document? Uh, because we've always done it. And then if you ask them, but what's the reason behind it? They they don't know why. And nobody knows why. They, They just say, we've already done it for 10 years. And I think at those moments, I think also you as a leader, you need to have the guts to say, people, we stop this procedure because it's not adding any added value anymore. But you need to have some guts because people are used to that system. But uh, it's interesting. Yeah, and very recognizable. Definitely. Yeah. I also have a question regarding the meeting culture. Here in the Netherlands, we have a habit of uh, killing somebody for who's being creative. And maybe in the Belgium too. What's one tip that you can share with us to create a more positive meeting culture? It's a very nice one. And I think the meetings, we can put them in the same category, some of the meetings, as the ladders. Why do we have that meeting? Because it's Monday morning and we have a meeting on every Monday morning. Hey, but do we have anything to say? Not really, but we blocked one hour. So what are we going to do? We repeat the stuff that we've already heard. So if you are in that kind of an energy, I think the meeting has evolved to a ladder, to an inefficient system. And maybe we should just skip it. So that would that would be my, my first advice. And maybe it sounds a little bit rebellious but i would say skip a few meetings skip meetings where you have a feeling that you can't add any added value i would say don't mention it just don't show up if you don't hear anything afterwards 
apparently, you know, you are not needed. And, and there is also something bizarre with a meeting because I understand. And what already helps, you know, for a good meeting culture, have a good agenda, have somebody who facilitates. But still, a lot of time in a meeting, 60 or 70% of the time, you're not relevant there, you know, because they're discussing topics that, that are not for you. So at those moments, I'm wondering, and I understand sometimes you need to have an overview and it's handy for everybody that they get all the points, but do you need to have that every week? So I think thing one is skip a meeting or think about, do we really need this meeting? Or could we have this meeting every two weeks or maybe once a month? Is that also enough? Or is an email enough? So that's one of the things. And the second thing, what I would recommend people, can you experiment a little bit with a different shape of a meeting? For example, very simple, have a standing meeting. You know, and a lot of people have heard about it, but they're not doing it. If you have a standing meeting, a lot of people will make sure that it is done after half an hour because you, you don't want to stand that long. So that could be something if you want to reduce that timing just introduce it and maybe as a start have a normal meeting but for one agenda point we stand up and, and probably for that agenda point everything goes a little bit faster it's quite bizarre one of the things i've I worked in a network organization and we didn't have any meetings the only thing that we had was once a month we called it a wonder walk a wonder walk what's a wonder walk we gathered on a certain day the first half hour, we took a flip chart and we, we've written down what, are the, what is the stuff that we want to discuss. As everybody could write down in a few keywords, this is stuff that I want to discuss. After half an hour or after 15 minutes, we went outside, went walking. But one of the things when you go walking, you can't walk with 10 people next to each other. That's, that's absolutely not efficient. So you can maximum walk with three, four people. So if there was something on the agenda that I would like to talk about, I said, hey, Mary-Jane, Vivian, I want to talk with you. And we would walk, the three of us would walk. But if there was somebody else who also would want to join, yet there's not really more room. So you discuss already a different topic with somebody else. And after an hour, we stopped, we formed a circle, and we shared, hey, what we've talked about, this and this topic, we want to do this. And at that moment, that person could jump in and say, hey, but wait a minute, I can add something, and I would like to be involved in this project. And that worked really well for us, and we walked for two hours, so it was also a social activity uh, for us. And after the two hours, we gathered again, a few keywords, what, what are the things that we discussed, we made a picture of that flip chart, and that was the meeting review. It's not only social, it's also good for your own health, and also being outside yeah. is also good. So yeah. it's it's, yeah, it's beating a lot of stones in one time. So yeah, yeah. definitely. So yeah. maybe, yeah, the advice could be experiment a little bit with these kind of meetings. Yeah, uh, helps. So what kind of leaders do you think are needed to lead in this current FUCA, what we hear, the volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous environment? What are some yeah, characteristics? Because it's, it's also hard as a leader because so many things are changing. And how can you take your whole crew, your whole team, how can you take them along? One of the things is can you remove some of the barriers? Can you remove some of the fears that are happening because you as a leader, you have a bit more influence on all kinds of ladders. So if you see that your team is really struggling 
with coming up with new ideas or new a new project and you see that you have to fill out way too many documents, you as a leader probably you have a bit more power to talk to another department and say, hey, people, can we make this easier or not? So I would say you as a leader, be a bit more a facilitator and, and stimulate your people because that's the biggest thing. A lot of people are afraid. So if you can create a safe environment, we already talked a little bit about it, that's absolutely a big thing. If you can, if somebody is trying something new and it fails, instead of punishing that person, I would put that person and give that person credit and say, wow, this is a person and he or she tried this. It didn't work yet, but this is what we learned. People, this is the attitude that we need. So this kind of attitude really helps. Is it easy? No, absolutely not. You have to look at yourself, you know, first, but then stimulate an, an open and a safe environment. Yeah, and it's still maybe a little bit vague, but it depends, of course, on which situation and which organization you're sitting, but definitely helps. Great. Thank you. Yeah, I can see that the facilitator aspect and creating that safe environment again. And regarding safe environments, what is your vision for thriving workplaces for the future? I also think we have to, can you make your organization or your workplace more flexible, more agile? Because that's what we need. I think we already have so much structure. I think that's we're good at that, you know, where we create a lot of ladders next to it. But can we reduce the structure a little bit, have, have some guidelines? And I think the workplaces that will win and that will thrive in the future are the, the agile ones, the flexible ones, the ones where people can dare to try something and make a mistake. Those are the environments where people can safely come up with new ideas and, and don't be afraid of the idea killers that come up. You know, the idea killers like, yes, but we don't have money, we don't have time, we've already tried it. I think those are the environments that definitely will will thrive. Because for them, it's a lot easier to connect with different networks. That will also be something of the future. I think the organization of the future will be a collection of networks. And depending on the need that we have, we switch working. We switch working with different teammates, with different people, with different expertises. That's what I would say. Cyril, is there one last thought you'd like to leave our audience with? Please share this. One very good tip is, of course, buy the book. (laughs) The change mindset and you get a lot of more stuff. But now one of the the things that I see if you really want to do something with, with change and get into a more thriving workplace, it all starts with very small steps. So a lot of times... People look at change or new things that it's very big and huge. It has to be the new iPhone. Now, I think it starts with very small things, very small steps. Instead of, for example, we we talked about the different meetings. Instead of immediately going and suggesting go for wonder walk, what I would do is in your next meeting for one agenda point, suggest, hey, people, for three minutes, can we all stand up and see if this works? Because that makes it safe. Instead of doing the whole meeting while you're standing, no, start small. Or sharing a nearling, start with something small. And again, as a leader, take responsibility and, and take the lead. If you can show those kind of things that it's okay to do this, this stuff and start again very small steps, then slowly people will, will get into the process and step after step after step. 
yeah, it will, it will go quite far. So small, small steps and, and experiment a little bit more. That's what I would advise uh, the people. You know, a lot of times we're so afraid that something goes wrong, but just give it a try and see what happens. A lot of times beautiful things uh, can happen. That's a beautiful last thought. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for this. Yes. Perfect. Thank you for sharing valuable insights regarding the change mindset. And I also have a question to the listeners. If you have questions or comments about this episode, please share them with us on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening and until next time. Go to Thrive Podcast. Empower people to be happy before, during and after work.